Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Mickey Riley, author of Your Primal Body, The Paleo Way of Living Lean, Fit, and Healthy at Any Age. Mickey, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. So, Mickey, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get interested in fitness and then eventually the paleo movement? Uh, Yeah, well, I've been a personal trainer for 20 years. And uh, over the years, I've tried all kinds of diets uh, in my personal exploration of health and fitness. I mean, many like macrobiotics. I was a vegetarian. I did low fat. Oh, really? Yeah, I did The Zone by Barry Sears, uh, Low Carb by Atkins. But while I was working um, on my degree at uh, UCSB here in California, I discovered the research of Lauren Cordain and the paleo diet and, um, you know, with his low-carb approach, but with the emphasis on, you know, more healthy fats, omega-3. And uh, it worked very well for me and my clients. And then after I finished uh, my degree, I discovered uh, Art Devaney. And while... Uh, Cordain had actually stressed more about diet in his research, uh, and he just you know briefly touched on exercise and movement. Uh, Devaney was uh, more holistic in his approach to health and fitness um, that included both uh, diet and exercise. So, um, which really appealed to me. And then um, before I had even discovered his work, I had already moved uh, from a focus on, you know, bodybuilding type of exercises to, you know, like isolation movements to more um, functional strength training, just based on research and high intensity interval training. And so Devaney's, um, you know, theory uh, really gave me a context for what I was doing. And um, so that was very helpful. And then this experience um, really gave me the incentive to write my book. I mean, being in, uh, you know, a lot of gyms over the 20 years, I'd seen people everywhere, you know, doing lots of cardio on treadmills and isolating their muscles on machines and eating low-fat diets, all in an effort to become healthy and fit. And, you know, I know you know that this, uh, this approach is just so out of sync with our DNA, and it's why... So many people weren't getting the results that they hoped for, and then they would get frustrated and quit. So um, the program that I wrote about in my book, it really shifts the paradigm, you know, for how to achieve a lean, uh, muscular, and vibrantly healthy body, you know, just based on your DNA. You know, the idea is that, you know, the body is designed to do what early humans did every day of their lives, you know, move quickly to get out of harm's way, stay lean and muscular to hunt and gather food. Seems simple enough, but most people seem to miss that point, uh, especially all the people that I was seeing in the gym. And, you know, you know, scientists who have, you know, studied the remains of early humans tell us that, you know, our ancestors were really 
an amazing condition, um, like, you know, the modern day Olympic athlete. So the premise of my book is that, I mean, everyone, like young and old, has a birthright to be lean, fit, and healthy at any age, um, just like our ancestors were. And, and basically, they just need to restore their body to the level of health and fitness. And once they know how, so the, the book that I wrote, The Five-Step Primal Body Program, shows people how to do that. It's just basically a practical guide for implementing uh, paleo-based nutrition and fitness into the modern lifestyle. Yeah. You know, that that's a great summary of your approach. And I like how throughout your book, you actually have clients that you worked with and you kind of share their stories and you have people of a lot of different ages in here and, and how they regain their health and movement just by following a lot of the simple steps in your program. But okay. you, you, you have a pretty interesting story from what you just said is that you actually tried a lot of different diets, even a vegan diet and a low fat diet. And then you eventually found paleo right. and, and art, through Art, De, art Devaney. What is it that you, about the paleo movement that you like that what what actually made it stick with you um you know uh, to tell you the truth i read i uh, got i think he wrote the essay back in 1995 but i don't think i came across it until the late 90s but it was an essay called evolutionary fitness and he really put you know health and fitness in the context of evolution and i don't know if you've ever read it but it really was quite an eloquent um essay and it really inspired me and like i said it made me realize that the the approach that i had discovered through research uh, was exactly the same approach that he was talking to, but he gave a context for what I was doing, and um, that's that's really how I got into the paleo movement. Okay, yeah, you know, I haven't read that essay, but it, it sounds interesting. Is that by Art Devaney? It is. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll I'll put a link to that. But what you mentioned yes. this holistic approach. What it, what actually does that mean? Um, are, just incorporating exercise and diet? Isn't that what we do already to lose weight? Yeah, it's just... well, a lot of people um, in the paleo movement uh, are mostly focused on the paleo diet, you know, mm -hmm. as a way to lose weight and regain health. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, actually changing your diet, carry habits is a lot easier than starting an exercise program. And, you know, eating a low-carb diet can keep you sensitive, sensitive to insulin and help you avoid storing fat. But what a lot of people don't realize, and a big important missing piece here, is, is that body composition affects insulin sensitivity too. So Lauren Cordain actually took a look at this, and he noted that pre-agricultural adults and um, modern uh, Olympic athletes have similar um, body composition. So males had about 10% body fat, and females had about 15, or the elite athletes do as well. And while the average modern male has about 25 and the average modern female has about 35. So this mm. is significant because insulin receptors on muscle cells are much more efficient at glucose uptake than insulin receptors on fat cells. So fitness level is a big predictor in glucose uptake. So for example, a lean, fit, muscular pers person would, may induce like 7 to 10 times more glucose uptake than someone who has more fat. You know, in a response to a glucose load, say someone eats some carbohydrates, a fit person would secrete less insulin, right? Mm. They Okay. also store less fat. And because there was less circulating insulin, they would be less likely to develop insulin resistance. You often hear the argument, you know, even from like some of the low-carb gurus out there that ex exercise doesn't play you know, that big a part in weight loss. But, you know, you really have to ask what type of exercise because if you perform strength training and you gradually improve your body composition, your percentage of lean body mass to fat, you would definitely impact your weight as a result of having more muscle in your body because of the increased insulin sensitivity. It's why exercise is so important in the obesity epidemic. 
Mm, okay. So you mentioned they're building muscle, but you know, building muscle is pretty tough. And but you have a lot of experience with that. Um, as a bodybuilder, we're using the paleo diet, or we're using some other diet. And and how does how do you actually get to that point where you're putting on muscle? Because as we age, I'm I'm told that we actually lose a little bit of muscle every year. Right. Um, as a bodybuilder, actually, when I competed, I, w- I had a brief uh, experience of competition, um, and I just did two shows one week apart. And I did them back in 1992, and um, that at that time I was doing low fat, so I dieted down on a low fat diet. And then, you know, years later, I was dieting down or just trying to really heat, you know, kind of get my peak condition for photos for promotion of my, you know, website and other things. And I did it on a low-carb diet, and believe me, a low-carb diet is much easier to get down to your perfect ideal weight. No mm. doubt about it. But putting on muscle is, uh, to me, it's not that much of a challenge. Um, it takes effort, but you know, our bodies are really designed to do that. You know, we're, mm. we need those little stresses of you know lifting weights. It's, you know, it's like the you know pre you know the earlier days when we had to lift carcasses and drag them back to camp, and you know we were lifting on a regular basis. And it's really your body has an expectation for. Uh, certain types of movement patterns, certain types of activities, as well as certain types of nutrients. So when you miss that part, I think it really affects your health. Okay. Yeah. In the book, you talk about supplementing and you actually mentioned that there's six super uh, nutrients that we need to keep in our diet. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how important you think those are? Well, I think uh, that, you know, uh, the nutrient density of our foods is really meaning the actual vitamins, minerals, and other essential nutrients contained in food is really different today than it was, you know, 40,000 plus years ago. You know, paleoanthropologists have have looked at foods and, and, um, you know, compared and found that, you know, the the foods of many years ago were much more nutrient dense, even if you were to compare the same food like an apple today to an apple, you know, 50,000 years ago. So my choice of supplements is based on what our modern bodies need to, you know, best replicate the nutritionally dense diet our ancestors ate. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how I came up with the, my list of super six. And they're based on what, uh, you know, uh, the first one is omega-3. And, you know, it's really based on what our bodies need the most. So it's omega-3 fatty acid is the single most efficient nutrient in the modern diet. Mm. So with the adoption of agriculture, you know, ancestral humans began to eat more grains, which are higher in omega-6. And they tended to eat less grass-fed meat, you know, an important source of omega-3. And they also um, uh, they also changed the, the, the time. At that time, there was also more commercially raised animals that were fed grain instead of grass. So all of these changes caused uh, an increase in omega-6 consumption and a decrease in omega-3 consumption. And um, so, you know, basically, uh, you know, the supplementing with omega-3 is going to balance out your intake of both omega-3 and omega-6 uh, uh, so that you can get closer to the ratio that our ancestors had, which was a ratio of about 2 to 1. Okay, interesting. You also talk in your book about how this diet is anti-inflammatory, but what does that actually mean and how is the diet anti-inflammatory? Right. Well, the primal diet is low in carbohydrates and higher in protein and fat. And when you eat high carbohydrate foods, uh, you increase you know, the pro-inflammatory hormones, which inflame the body and lead to a large number of diseases. So because the primal diet is naturally low in carbohydrates, it reduces um, chronically elevated levels of insulin in the body. And uh, also it's high in omega-3, the anti-inflammatory fatty acid, and low in omega-6, the pro-inflammatory fatty acid. So like I was mentioning before, it improves your omega-6 and omega-3 ratio. And, you know... um, 
a lot of people wonder, you know, how does, you know, inflammation come about in the diet? And, you know, Barry Sears, uh, you know, wrote a book called Toxic Fat and When Good Fats Turn Bad. And he uh, says that there, there's a perfect nutritional storm that happens where you um, have an increase in the consumption of uh, refined carbohydrates, which causes high insulin levels, and an increase in the use of um, vegetable oils, which are high in the pro-inflammatory uh, essential fatty acid omega-6. And the third factor is a decrease in the consumption of fish oils, which are high in the anti-inflammatory omega-3 essential fatty acids. So Sears says that when you consume an excess of carbohydrates and vegetable oils together, the increased level of insulin from the carbohydrates causes the omega-6 um, from the vegetable oils to produce uh, a, an inflammatory hormone, and this really results in a low level of inflammation in the body, which leads to chronic disease. Okay. Now, Lauren Cordain, in his book, he actually says that dairy is inflammatory. Is that something that you agree with, and what's your view on dairy? Um, you know, I really, you know, wrote that it's a gray area. Uh, you know, uh, Lauren Cordain is completely based on um, the ancestral diet. So all of his recommendations are exactly what, you know, to try to match the types of foods that were available 40,000 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And so he has objections to uh, dairy based on the fact that uh, it, it produces insulin-like growth hormone, IGF-1, in humans, you know, basically because, you know, it's supposed to, it's designed for infants, right? It's supposed to make them grow, right, mm -hmm. into larger adults or whatever. And so that's his main objection. And but where, if you take a look at Weston Price now, Weston Price, who was uh, you know around in the early you know parts of the 1900, about 1920, and he was comparing the modern civilization to uh, the the hunter gatherers that were available in different parts of the world at that time, and he was finding um, tribes that were using dairy that were completely healthy and you know didn't show any signs of you know the diseases of civilization. So uh, it's a gray area. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, I like how in your book you talk a lot about combining the, the movement and exercise with, with the diet, and it makes sense. And you have one chapter where you talk about pain-free movement, and you kind of show a lot of people how you've gotten them, even though they had pain in their knees or whatever, to start moving again. And actually, with the diet and exercise combined, they were over they overcame some injuries. What are some of the things that you can do to, to start moving pain-free? Well, um, that's why, you know, I, I call this a comprehensive approach, you know, and each step kind of builds on the next step. So the first step is to get people eating the anti-inflammation, you know, paleo diet or primal diet so that they start getting the inflammation out of their body or reducing the levels of inflammation, which really happens pretty quick. And then I get them to supplement, you know, with uh, omega-3 and, you know, improving their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, mm -hmm. more work on getting the inflammation out of their body. And then uh, for people that come in, like some of the clients that you may have read about in my book um, that, you know, that have already had some damage to their joints and the, you know, the cartilage is worn down or completely gone, um, I uh, encourage them to use um, glucosamine, and, uh, which is very helpful you know, for people that have arthritis. And then the next step is uh, I help them to restore their muscles to pain-free movement using um, self-myofascial release. So it's basically, you know, using a foam roller uh, on your muscles to reduce, you know, scar tissue and adhesions. You know, it does things like decreases the, uh, the tightness, you know, of overly tight muscles, improves your mobility and overall range of motion. So the way it works is, you, you know, you put a little pressure on a tight area like you roll on your 
quad muscle and uh, you find that the tiny like tender areas and when you press there's sensors um, that really stimulate the muscles to relax and it really helps to remove adhesions and release uh, you know problems and increase blood flow to the area and basically improves the quality of the tissue and then once people are starting to release the restrictions and move them out of their body and they've got the inflammation out um, I show them how to move well and my whole program is based on the seven primal movements and most people even people that have been exercising or you know people that you would expect may know how to even athletes don't always know how to squat properly or lunge properly or you know hinge and bend from their hips you know push you know with everything stabilized and so learning how to move well uh, and bringing energy to parts of the body that haven't been moving well uh, really helps people to you know get healthy and pain-free okay so how much time does someone need to spend in the gym on a weekly basis in order to kind of kickstart their metabolism and get this process going you know um, that's a really good question but it really depends on you know what someone's been doing so if someone comes into my gym and they have not done anything for the last 20 years <laughs> they're going to need to do some work <laughs> it's going to take a while right uh, uh-huh. if someone comes in and they're pretty healthy I mean I had two uh, a couple just come in recently who were very healthy but not that strong and within we're in our second month right now um, and they're moving amazing and their bodies are changing very quickly and they have, they have a lot of physical awareness because they're body workers so it matters if you if someone doesn't have a lot of physical awareness they haven't been an athlete they haven't used their body they never really developed you know all that coordination and uh, motor control and stabilizers and all that it takes a while but it just depends on the person okay what are, what's your opinion on the high intensity type of exercise versus the cardio a lot of people I think Artavania is a little bit against cardio what's your opinion um, you're talking about the you're, when you say cardio, you're talking about aerobic type of exercise, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, the research shows that you know for millions of years our ancestors you know performed movements of varying intensity. So. Um, both high-intensity interval training and the lower-intensity, uh, more traditional type of exercise are, you know, very useful. Although um, the movement patterns of early humans that were, you know, predominant were high-intensity, you know, in, involving bursts of explosive movement rather than, you know, the lower-intensity movement over long distance. You know, these, you know, patterns evolved over, you know, long periods of time, and they take advantage of specific types of muscle fibers and metabolic pathways that are very efficient at producing energy for survival. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are, are busy and, you know, time is a big factor for them. And so um, one of the really big benefits to doing high-intensity interval training is that you don't have to spend a lot of time doing that. Um, and um, so like one of the researchers, uh, this Australian researcher, compared uh, HIIT to um, lower-intensity uh, activities, and he put 45 overweight women through a 15-week study where one group did intervals for 20 minutes and the other uh, group did continuous or you know low-intensity exercise for four minutes, 40 minutes. So both groups um, exercised three times a week, and they had their dietary intake closely monitored, and uh, the results were that the interval group lost three times as much fat doing half as much exercise or at least spending half as much time doing it. Mm. And the reason that the HIIT was so much more effective is because uh, of a phenomenon known as um, EPOC or excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. You know, basically, after you perform high-intensity interval training, your body continues to need more oxygen, leaving your metabolism elevated for hours. And um, this was originally, you know, everybody called the oxygen debt, but um, 
basically high intensity interval training disturbs your body's you know homeostasis and throws it kind of off balance and the result is a larger energy expenditure after exercise just to restore your body back to uh, it, you know normal homeostasis mm-hmm. and this it's this energy expenditure that really causes people to lose fat and you know from a fitness trainer's perspective you know I have a lot of people walking into my gym on a regular basis and the biggest concern for people is how do I lose fat and how fast how long will it take well mm-hmm. HIIT is, is the fastest way to get there some okay. people enjoy I know you're a runner what's your opinion um, you know, I say if if you enjoy running and and that's what gets you out and gets you exercising, I say go for it. Right. But you know, if you, if you just love that high intensity stuff, do that. I think the body was just made to move. Right. Right. Whatever you whatever works for you, whatever you like. Yeah. But you know, right. I, it's probably good to do a little bit of both. But uh, I, I definitely like running, so I'll probably keep doing it. I actually have a, a different system that, I mean, sprinting is the most traditional way to do intervals, but um, there's a new approach that I actually use in my gym called metabolic resistance training, and it's doing resistance training that's performed in an interval fashion using time sets. So basically, you, you have uh, 45 to maybe 60 seconds of, you know, one way to do it would be to use 45 to 60 seconds of uh, working uh, with an exercise, maybe like a push-up, and then rest for 15 to 30 seconds, and then uh, perform another exercise, and you could, like, take five exercises and then perform the entire circuit, you know, a few times with a bit of rest in between each circuit. So you're basically getting your heart rate up and building muscle at the same time. So it's a very effective way to train your body and to in the middle, minimal amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that minimal amount of time, I think is really important. Uh, because, you know, we all have time constraints and being able to get a workout in in a short time is, is a great thing. Right. Yeah. And if you do that like two or three times a week, I mean, basically, I think that's what you're asking me before. When someone gets healthy and they're, you know, strong and they're the ideal workout plan, in my in my opinion, is to work out three times a week. Okay. And if you do more than that, are you, are you risking injury or um, why three times a week? Why not every day? Why not once a week? I mean, how do we come? How do we know what is optimal? Is is it something that you right. can just kind of go by uh, feel or what? Actually, um, there's a there's a great way to test it called uh, heart rate variability, but uh, I haven't actually used that method with my clients, but it really will test your uh, whether you're overtrained or or not, despite okay. your nervous system. But uh, the way that, uh, you know, there are so many variables and whatever I talk about anything, you know, when I wrote my book, you know, there's people that weigh 220 pounds, there are people that weigh 110 pounds that are reading that book. But I'm basically saying, you know, uh, you know, eat 50 grams of carbs to put your, you know, to get into low carb. But it really depends on the individual. So some people that have a lot of stress, you know, that are really maxed out on a lot of levels of their life, maybe they can't handle that much exercise. Mm. Or maybe they tolerate exercise well and three times a week is perfect to just release that stress for them. It really depends on the on the individual. Some people just don't recover very quickly from exercise. It takes them a long time. And so maybe they're they're better, you know, just training twice a week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, basically when you're talking averages, the average person does pretty well with three times a week. Okay. Another great thing about your book is you inclu- include a lot of great recipes. Can you tell me a little bit about what you ate today and uh, one of your favorite recipes? Okay. Um, well, I, you know, uh, for breakfast, I had and all the food that I had today, except for the coconut oil, was picked up from the farmer's market uh, a couple of days ago here in Santa Barbara. But I had um, lamb uh, chopped for breakfast with uh, steamed broccoli and coconut oil on the on the broccoli, and the, the, the lamb was cooked in coconut oil. And then for lunch, I had uh, pork chop, also from the farmer's market, and um, I had some steamed green beans with uh, zucchini and some fresh walnuts and some avocado. Mm. 
That sounds good. Yeah, thanks. How how about uh, some recipes? What you have some great ones in the book. What what's one of your favorites? Um, you know, I like the um, uh, the burger, the lamb burger that I make with the seasoning in it. It's very simple, and um, I make it with um, kale chips. Kale chips mm. you can make in about ten minutes. Pop them in the oven, and uh, it's pretty delicious. So it's okay. really it's, you know it's like burger and fries, paleo style. It's very quick. Okay. Are there any additional benefits to going with lamb over beef? Um, no, actually. Um, I eat beef as well. Uh, I just happen to have lamb at work today. I vary um, my choices of meat a great deal. I like mm-hmm. lamb, pork, beef. I eat a lot of salmon, you know, fresh seafood around here. And um, I'm a big fan of, you know, free-range chicken and all of that, too. Just uh, keeps it interesting. Add a few spices and change the vegetables uh, on a regular basis. And I, I do a lot of fat, actually, coconut oil and coconut milk and all that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the high-fat paleo movement? Have you heard about that, where people are kind of doing a, a, a diet that puts them in a state of ketosis and they're, they're doing like 70 to 80 percent fat? Um, you know, I, I know Jimmy Moore is doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. I met him at the Ancestral Health Symposium and um, uh, I don't have experience with doing that much fat, although uh, the diet that I've eaten for years is pretty high fat because when I do uh, opt to, I stay pretty lean just anyway doing the paleo diet, but if I want to get, you know, super lean, I will go into a state of ketosis by lowering my carbs down below 50. And I mm. really never measure how much fat I eat, but I know that occasionally I'll take a look at my overall caloric content and it's pretty high. And I only eat as much uh, protein as you know my body really requires based on my lean body mass. Mm-hmm. So the majority of my calories actually come from fat. I'm a big fan of low carb. It works really well for me. I've done it for years. I find it very satisfying. I feel great all the time and I never ever have to be concerned about my weight. And so, um, you know, it, it, to me, having tried all these different approaches, I mean, I started from a much higher carb and kind of like, you know, graduated down to a much lower carb type of diet. I used to, you know, feel like I wanted to take a nap in the middle of the morning. I mean, I had all kinds of blood sugar issues from eating more carbohydrates, which I don't have. And, you know, I think also when you go into ketosis, the ketones are actually, uh, they make your mind work really well. You think very clearly, you perform well, you know, athletically. So there are a lot of advantages to that type of a diet. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that it sounds like you eat a lot of coconut oil. And I think one of the benefits of that is your body actually takes those medium chain triglycerides and turns them directly into ketones. It does. It's it's an amazing source of fuel. I mean, Mm. I I buy uh, coconut milk by the cases and I, you know, I I use (laughs) a lot of coconut oil. So one day I, you know, I was totaled up my calories and they were, you know, they were about 2,800 and a lot of it was the fat, you know, all Mm. the fat that I'm getting from the coconut. Okay. So do you have any tips for listeners today on how they would get started on a diet like this? How they would get started? Well, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really different for different people. I mean, I've been helping people with health and fitness for, for 20 years, and I've had a lot of experience with the different personality types and trying to change their bodies. So some people work really well with just cold turkey, you know, start eating vegetables, you know, start, you know, changing, you know, get rid of all the grains and beans and vegetable oils and dairy and, you know, just go for it. And mm-hmm. then other people, that's just too much for them. They just, they have to take it in smaller bites. So, you know, they might start, you know, just, you know, get rid of all the vegetable oils 
going through their cabinets and look, you know, for everything that has some soy oil or canola oil and, you know, start there. And then next, you know, try getting rid of all of the cereal grains, you know, all of the, you know, whatever, however their pastas, their rices and, and pull those out. So they might do it step by step. But really and truly what I encourage people to do is just to go jump into it full on. Um, and because that's really how you see how your body responds to it. You know, uh, you know, as far as like getting all the inflammation out of your body, I mean, some, some people will say, okay, I changed quite a bit, but I'm still eating my oatmeal in the morning. Well, if they have a gluten intolerance, they're never going to feel great until they completely remove the grains out of their diet. So, mm-hmm. you know, the best way to go really is to just, you know, jump into it and give your body a chance to go through it for at least 30 days, see what it feels like and decide whether it's worth it for you. Yeah, I, I really like that approach. I think that's great advice. I mean, once you, and once you start eating this way, you're going to feel so much better. You're not going to want to go back to all the crap. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And most people, most people come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where can people go to find out more about you, Mickey? Uh, my website is uh, fitnesstransform.com. Um, I have a Facebook page, Your Primal Body. Uh, and I have a uh, Twitter, uh, Mickey Riley, M-I-K-K-I-R-E-I-L-L-Y. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much, Aaron. Yeah, it's been great talking with you today. Thanks so much for Likewise. being part of the show. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.